Hello, friends, and welcome to this week's edition of Sustainability Now with me, Justin Mogg, here on your community radio station. We are Forward Radio, WFMPLP Louisville, broadcasting from the top of the historic Hayburn Building here in downtown Louisville at 106.5 FM. We also live stream to the world anywhere you are with an internet signal. You can listen to us live at forwardradio.org. You'll also find archives there of all of our local programs so you can catch up if you missed anything. And it's also the place to go to become a part of our community radio station. We built it for you. It's for the people, by the people. And so if you've got an issue that you feel needs covered that isn't being covered elsewhere on the mainstream media, we'd love to get you behind these microphones, whether it's a guest on somebody's show, a one-time access hour, or maybe you even want a weekly show like me, we'd love to have you at forwardradio.org. And finally, we rely entirely on listener donations to keep us on the air. It's amazingly affordable community treasure. It only takes $20 a day. So you could be a day sponsor today with that cash you've got in your pocket, which you haven't been able to spend because of the pandemic. <laughs> Why don't you chip it our way at forwardradio.org. Well, I'm really excited to get in the studio with me today, someone to talk about the connections between faith and sustainability. I want to welcome to the studio Reverend Dawn Cooley. Welcome, Dawn. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Justin. Dawn is a Unitarian Universalist, and she is Executive Director of Kentucky Interfaith Power and Light. If you're thinking, uh, do they provide electricity? Uh, <laughs> no, but it is a great name, and we'll talk about the connections between uh, what they do and maybe the electricity coming to your home. And if you want to play along at home, you can find them online at KentuckyIPL.org. They're also on Facebook, Twitter, and the socials, so you can check them out there. Uh, we'll talk more about the organization, but I just want to start on a personal note and talk about and learn Learn more about you and, and your faith journey. Were, were you born into Unitarian Universalism? I was not. It was something that I came to after college. Yeah. Uh, my spouse and I had a, a great community of friends in college. Right. And, you know, it's the kind of time for exploring, right? Yeah. And so we explored all these different faith traditions just on our own. Um, and then after college, we missed our group of friends and we wanted a place where we could explore the deeper questions of life. Cool. So yeah. we ended up in the Unitarian Universalist Church. Okay, you and I share something in common already then, because my faith is adopted. It wasn't what I was born into. I was born into a very progressive Catholic uh, family, but I became a Quaker. Oh. And Great. I became a Quaker because my dad started teaching at a Quaker high school. Quakers, of course, have established a lot of schools, friends schools, they're called. Mm -hmm. Quakers are also known as friends. Uh, and the, the part of that is because Quakers very much believe in the importance of education and a different style of education that's more about letting people discover <laughs> and then letting children be children uh, rather than sort of the rote learning and traditional forms of learning. So he started teaching at a front school and bringing home these stories about what Quakers do right. and what they think and how they believe and how they practice. And I said, hmm, that sounds interesting. That sounds a lot better than these candle and incense and all this stuff. I was not into about Catholic Mass. And so in college, I went ahead and started checking it out, and I've been a Excellent. Quaker ever since. So uh, I, I wonder, I, I feel like a lot of folks these days are not thinking of religion as necessarily something, I mean, sure, lots of people do, something they do because their family's always done it. But there's, I think, a lot of people who are exploring faiths yes. these days, right? Yes. Yes. And in fact, I think one of the things that... Um, 
I, I would imagine Quaker is very similar to this that Unitarian Universalist congregations are experiencing is that it used to be we had people who were coming from other religious traditions. Um, and so uh, they had a certain amount of preconceived ideas of, you know, what a religious community was about. But now we're finding more and more people are coming that have had no religious upbringing. Wow. Um, and they're looking for a community where, again, they can answer these Big questions. Wow. Okay, so for listeners who've never heard of Unitarian Universalists, what's that? Well, actually, I, you know, we're actually, we have a lot in common with the Quakers. Right. Right? So <laughs> one of the things, there, there are a lot of people who flow between Quakers yes, and Unitarian Universalists. Sure. Um, and, uh, and very uh, socially justice-minded Catholics Absolutely. as well. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because all of those faiths really believe that, uh, that social justice is the way we put our faith into action. Action, right. Um, and working to build a better world, um, a better environment, uh, taking care of our neighbors is something that for all of these faith traditions is uh, is an urgent call to practice. Yeah. Um, and so so we got a lot in common. Yeah. More focused on heaven on earth than uh, heaven in the heavens, right? <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. And like the, the Unitarian Universalist would say that um, that we are here to create the beloved community here. Yeah. on earth now. Yeah. Um, and I think the Quakers would say that the kingdom of God here on earth right now. So Yeah, and I think both faith traditions are also very open to accepting lessons from any faith. And a, a little mm -hmm. bit, they're they're kind of a little bit interfaithy in that way. Uh, from what I've learned about Baha'i, it might be similar. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know enough about Baha'i. I shouldn't go off that, uh, go on that tangent that I don't really know about. But um, but yeah, if it for me, what's exciting about uh, Quakerism is the ability to constantly learn it's a it's a continuing revelation. Yes. It's, a, it's not believing that truth was written down in some book two thousand years ago, and we just got to read that over and over and over and over, and we'll we'll know the way forward. Obviously, the Bible and other religious texts are good inspiration for Quakers. I'm sure you use too, but we seek truth wherever it may be, and we feel a more direct connection to the divine, um, that, that it's about being in communication with the divine, uh, that that's what the faith is about. And so that, that really fits in well with my interest in sustainability. I don't know Absolutely. if you resonate here too, mm -hmm. because sustainability is always about learning. It's, mm -hmm. it's never going to be, well, somebody wrote down in a book what sustainability is and we just got to do it. Right. Uh, it's always about continually adapting to the changing conditions around us. So those things really resonate for me. And I want to hear about you and, and the UU faith. Uh, how, how did it come to be that you saw sustainability as an act of love and conscience oh wow um that actually goes has to go way back <laughs> right? like, like so for for unitarian universalists we believe um in the interdependent web of all existence yeah. that that we as human beings are a part of um but but even before i was a uu uh I remember reading something that talked about um, evolution, and it talked about evolution from the, the standpoint of a jellyfish, right? And the idea was the jellyfish said, and then God created jellyfish, right? And, and they were the be-all and end-all of, of, uh, of, of creation, yeah. right? And, um, and it really struck me, because I think we do that as human beings a lot, yeah. right? Like, we see ourselves as the be-all and end-all. Um, and when, when we do that, it actually makes us separate 
from right. the rest of creation. It right. makes us, you know, like the, the pinnacle rather than a part of. Yeah. And so my journey of sustainability was this early recognition that we are a part of creation. We're a part of the environment. We're not the pinnacle. We're not the ultimate species. We are We are still forming ourselves. And, and that means that we have a chance. So not only are we a part of it, but that we have a chance to influence how we live as a part of creation and how we walk on this planet. And those are all things that are deeply embedded into my theology. Wow, that's great. I love what you said there, because I think the reason a lot of people seek religion is because they want to be a part of something bigger. Not only being a part of a religion that's something bigger or a spiritual tradition that's something bigger, but being part of a living community on this planet that is bigger than just us humans, I think is a wonderful uh, faith and spiritual practice, right? Right. It's a great way to think about our place in the world and I think most religious traditions will teach us to be humble, right? And, right. and part of what's gotten us to this highly unsustainable place, I think, is 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 a lack of humility. And That's what right. you said about humans being the apex, right, of all creation. Right. <laughs> Look how great we are, right? We couldn't possibly screw anything up. Uh, but that's, it's that faulty thinking that has got us into a lot of trouble, I think. That's right. That's right. And thinking, just thinking that we're, that we're better. You know, I think about um, theologically, um, one of the things when I, when I talk to uh, churches, Christian churches, I talk about um, the basis in scripture. Um, in, in Genesis, it says that, that we are to be stewards mm-hmm. of creation, mm-hmm. that we are to, to take care of creation. But that word has actually been translated a lot of different ways. And to sometimes... dominion. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And so, so, so there's a lot of conversation about what, is, what does dominion mean and, and, and what, does that, what does that look like? And for a long time, we interpreted it as we are the apex, right? It is ours to use up. Right yeah, until yeah. it's all gone, <laughs> right? and I don't know what's supposed to happen then, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, uh, oh but God. now we understand it much more as stewardship <laughs> and caring for, right? It, right? it doesn't mean it doesn't mean you know use and abuse. It yeah. means it means care for. Gosh, what you were saying right there makes me think outside of the realm of religion completely and into politics and how we think about this word freedom, right? Uh, You can take it and interpret it as, well, I have the freedom to do whatever I want. Everyone else be damned, right? Right. Um, But actually, freedom is a whole lot of responsibility. a lot of responsibility. It is a lot of responsibility. Yeah, and I think think being part of this living uh, community on Earth is a huge responsibility, and we're not even good at being conscious of the needs of our immediate human neighbors, right? Much right. less the the needs of our non-human neighbors. Uh, and so I love I love that that's the thinking about it. And and part of the mission of the Kentucky Interfaith Power and Light, I'm sure, is to is to increase that sense of stewardship. Um, and there's also this phrase that's been floating around in this whole realm for quite a while called creation care, right? Mm-hmm. You want to talk a little bit about what that means to you? Um, you know, actually, interestingly enough, it's not language that comes naturally to me. Mm. Um, uh, my uh, 
theology of uh, God is that, you know, the divine is the mystery and wonder of the universe, yeah. right? Like that's, <laughs> which, which doesn't actually lead to the sense of a creator, of a creator. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, just because it's not my personal theology doesn't mean that it doesn't find, I don't understand that it finds resonance with many, many people, right? right? And it really does. What, what, what creation care and what the terminology means is a recognition that uh, exactly what we were just talking about, that that, that that if this is your theology, that God created this world and that we are stewards of it and we are to care for it. That is part of what God has asked us to do right. um, on earth. And so creation care takes sustainability to a very theological, very faith-based place. And I think it tries to root it in some of these historic important texts, right? I mean, right. you can find arguments for creation care in the Bible and the oh, Sora yeah. and the Quran, right? Um, and yep. so I think a lot of people doing this work are trying to tie it back into these larger parts of something larger again, that those larger faith traditions. Um, but the way these texts work, you can always find the argument for the opposite. Right? <laughs> you can, but you know, I think one of the things that I like to tell people is that most all religions um, agree on only two things. Um, and one is uh, care for your neighbor and the other is care for your environment. And you can't do one without the other. That's right. Right. And if you strip away the rest of the trappings of the faith traditions, almost no matter what they are, they're care for the other and care for the the world. And what it means to care for the other is a part of a part of each tradition. Yeah. Um, and that matters. That means something. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, Kentucky Interfaith Power and Light is very much focused on addressing climate change. Mm -hmm. And what you just said resonates with the thought I always have about climate change, which is if we close our eyes and try and see what what is the face of climate change? Uh, I think a lot of people will think about like a polar bear, right? On an on a ice floe yes. somewhere, right? Yes. Which is great. I love polar bears as much as the next person, <laughs> but that doesn't motivate anybody to action. I mean, maybe a few real animal lovers, right? But if we want to motivate people to care about this issue, the face of climate change needs to be a human one, right? Like that we can directly relate to. Yeah. Uh, and so understanding that this for, addressing climate change is an act of love for our human neighbors as well as our non-human neighbors uh, I think is a real value that uh, all of these faith traditions and creation care traditions can uh, contribute to this sustainability movement. Um, so I would love to hear more about how Kipple, uh, Kentucky Interfaith Power and Light, goes about trying to do this work. So tell us a little bit about the history of the organization and what you do. Well, the organization was started about, oh, now 14 years ago. I'm used to saying 13 years ago. Yeah, that's <laughs> We just got a new year, so I got to start saying 14 <laughs> years ago. Um, by Tim Darst, who is a, a Catholic man who very much found um, sustainability to be his his calling. Yeah. Um, and he, uh, he has a really great... Um, uh, like TEDx talk or a local TED talk about how he has um, no carbon footprint right now, right? He's been able to make all these changes. Right in here his life. in Louisville. Right here in Louisville, exactly. <laughs> right here in Louisville. And um, so he started this organization when he wanted um, to share what he was so passionate about with other people. Um, and the the um, it's a part of his faith as a Catholic person, and it's a part of something that he felt congregations, churches mm. could engage with, right? That that 
churches and uh, solar panels in particular were a great match uh, because churches would uh, be able to live their principles by putting on solar panels, but they'd also be able to lower their bills. And there's rare, there's almost never a congregation, a religious congregation that's not trying to lower exactly. their bills, yeah. right? So it would, it would reduce their carbon footprint. It would like hit all these wonderful things. So he created uh, Kentucky Interfaith Power and Light, which is a part of the National Interfaith Power and Light Movement. And um, which really was very focused on solar at the time. Uh, it started in California and uh, by Episcopalians, and um, and and that was really their 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 push. Um, and it, you know, the 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 mission really shifts over time, sure. right? And one of the things that really engaged me, I started as the executive director just over a year ago in November of 2019, just before the pandemic. I oh got great gosh. timing, right? right? <laughs> um, is but I really see it as twofold. One is that if we are not, um, if we're not talking to our legislators and the people in power. And if we're not demanding that they make changes at the policy level and the legislative level, then all of us could turn vegetarian and it's not going to fix climate change. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, so we need to be uh, really advocating for, um, for uh, climate friendly policies yeah. uh, with all our elected officials. And we have to be doing this work ourselves because that's the message we say to them. We say, hey, first off, we're people of faith and, and we understand this to be an important part of our faith. And, and, uh, and the second part is um, we're doing our part yeah. and now we need you to do your part, right? So we need to do our part as individuals. And that means, you know, it doesn't mean having a carbon zero footprint, but it means doing what we can. And there are a lot of easy ways that we can, that we can do that, as I'm sure, as I'm sure you're aware. And some of your listeners know, even things like recycling or choosing to take public transportation or bike instead of driving your car or uh, so many things like that. So... I'm speaking today with the executive director of Kentucky Interfaith Power and Light, Reverend Dawn Cooley. She's a Unitarian Universalist. We're talking about the connections between faith and sustainability and personal action and uh, corporate action in the sense of a community taking action together, too. You can learn more about them at KentuckyIPL.org or find them on social media as well. Uh, and what you were just saying about the role of advocacy, I think, is, is really vital, especially in the so-called red states, right, where we have more conservative legislators who uh, probably come from a religious tradition themselves, right? And connecting with those legislators can be a big challenge for progressives and people interested in sustainability if you just make it a secular thing. But if you start tying it back into some of these commonly held faith-based traditions, that to me seems like it would resonate more in a place like Frankfurt, right? I think so. And I think that especially when you combine um, the, the approach of faith and the approach of, hey, this is good economics, yeah. uh, that combination should appeal to pretty much everybody, <laughs> um, unless somebody is in denial about what good economics uh, yeah. is going to be in the coming future, which unfortunately is, is sometimes the case. <laughs> right. Well, and there's also the struggle against the god of, of capitalism, right? right? So a lot of these actions are in, in some ways anti-capitalist, but we try and shoehorn them into the capitalist system and and then say the power utilities come back and say, no, we want a monopoly. <laughs> so you can't have solar. <laughs> well, and so this is this is really interesting because um, and this leads into um, 
uh, something I'll, I'll share in just a minute. But, uh, you know, one of the things I've learned recently is that in places like Georgia and Arizona, there have been uh, the effort to uh, increase the amount of solar that is being used and the amount of renewable energy that has been being used by the state has actually been a bipartisan push. Oh, wow. And it's really stunning. And one of the reasons I learned this is I've been watching a bunch of videos uh, because Kentucky IPL is about to have two different film series. <laughs> and I, before we uh, before we offer them, I have to actually watch the films, <laughs> right? So so I've been learning so much, and and I'm really struck by by this idea that that these are bipartisan efforts because what ends up because these these states know the the representatives in these states know that um, that uh, extraction economy, right, or or uh, fuel that and energy that comes from uh, extraction, like coal or uh, natural gas, right? That's actually not going to be the future. Yeah, uh, that, yeah. It, it's really not. Economically, it's not the future. It's a dead end. From it's the a beginning. dead end, yeah. right? It is a limited resource. Even if we tap the entire, you know, earth and cut every single piece of coal out and every single bit of natural gas, forget the ramifications of that. It's still <laughs> going to end, yeah. right? Like, right? It is going to end. And so they recognize that the future means uh, doing a just economic transition to these renewable energies now. And uh, and so that's what they're doing. And so they've enlisted the military, their public service commissions are on board. I mean, it has just been fantastic to, to learn of what's possible. Yeah, yeah. And so getting us away from being stuck in that rut uh it, it takes a different kind of vision and i love the the phrase just transition i know kftc has been working on that mm -hmm. for quite a while and it's starting to gain some traction because we do have to recognize that a lot of people's lives have been dependent upon these extractive industries and of course the natural assumption is I got to keep doing that. I, there, I, I, that's my only source of income in a lot of haulers in Kentucky, right? So we need to start rethinking of Kentucky as is continuing its tradition of being an energy state, mm -hmm. but it doesn't have to be in a, a destructive energy state, right. right? Right. It doesn't. And there's plenty of renewables to tap. There here, are. Here in Louisville and <laughs> Kentucky, right? There are. In fact, it's pretty It's pretty amazing to me how, what the opportunities are here in yeah. Kentucky. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, so it, it does tie a little back, back into your name about Interfaith Power and Light, which sounds a lot like a, a power company. And part of it, I guess, is to empower these churches and temples and religious institutions to become power generators, actual physical electrons, right? Uh, as well as is human power too, right? Right. Well, and especially if you think about how um, how the original organization really was talking about solar panels, right? And in in specifically yeah, uh, to yeah. use to to create power to keep your lights on, right? <laughs> so, but I like your interpretation yeah, better. It's yeah. a lot. It's a lot deeper and richer. Yeah. Well, and for me as a Quaker, this phrase light really resonates because that's how we conceive of is the divine. Mm. So, for example, when it, most people say, we'll pray for you, Quakers say, we'll hold you in the light, mm. um, which right. I think is a, is a lovely conception and it's always resonated me <laughs> with, right. for Kipple with me. Um, so we should say this is a, a member-based organization, right? And individuals of any faith can join. You want to talk a little bit about the kinds of churches and, and temples and everything else that are part of Kipple? Yeah. 
absolutely. So um, we don't necessarily really have individual members, though we do have people who participate on an individual level, if that yeah, makes any yeah. sense. Um, uh, what we have are partner communities. Uh, and partner communities could be an entire faith community. So, for example, a church or, you know, the friends gathering, you know, can be a, a partner community. Um, but it could also just be, I know in some, uh, especially larger congregations, it could just be one committee. Right. 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 <laughs> yep. Um, and so our partner communities are uh, committees of congregations. Uh, they are entire congregations. Um, we have the uh, the the Bellarmine Environmental Department is, oh, nice. is a partner con- uh, partner community. And so this partner community program is really based on uh, relationship. Um, and and for Kentucky Interfaith Power and Light to be in relationship with these other communities and these other communities to be in relationship with us, and that means things like you know keeping aware of what's happening, what the what's going on in the in the community. Sure. It means um, if you're having uh, if one of our partner communities is having an event uh, that that we amplify it on our social media and share it with our folks as well. Um, and so it really is based on relationship rather than a transactional sort of model yeah at the same time we do give our partner communities benefits they get reduced rate for speakers and workshops um, and even a reduced rate for our uh, energy consulting because we do some energy consulting and energy audits for faith communities as well nice now faith communities are in a, a unique position for two two reasons that pop to mind when you start thinking about something like solar panels or other renewable energy first of all the buildings are often used a lot less throughout the week than most buildings, right? Uh, I'm sure there's all kinds of programs that happen in churches throughout the week, but the the, the rate of use tends to be less or concentrated in one, one day. Right. And the other thing is that they're tax exempt, and a lot of the benefits of solar come through tax credits. So you want to talk a little bit about those two issues and how churches deal with them? Um, you know, I can't really talk about the tax credit um, because I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think we have any tax credits in Kentucky for solar at this point. Well, so they're federal uh, or there's a very, there used to be a very minimal. I got it when I put solar on my house, like nice. 500 bucks or something from the state. But yeah, they're going away in a lot of places. You know. Right, right. Um, but you're absolutely right about uh about how many faith communities, their buildings are empty or, or mostly empty during the week. Um, what ends up happening then actually is is that they are subject, often subject to um, uh, peak pricing, yeah. uh, which means that on Sunday morning, their time of most usage, um, when everybody's coming in, turning on the air conditioning, turning on the lights, turning on, you know, turning everything on, that peak is how they're billed as if they are at that peak all the time oh for their energy usage, right? Yeah. It's, it's not fair at all. So actually having the solar panels reduces your energy bill, not just because it produces energy, but it reduces what that peak is yeah. that you're then charged for the rest of the time. Yeah. So it's a, it's a great deal for congregations. And of course, it's not just about solar panels. Energy efficiency has to be part of the solution too, right? right? And there's lots of opportunities there. I know the old Quaker meeting house is a drafty place, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. And in fact, one of the things that we recommend when, when a congregation is interested in solar panels is to have us come out and do an audit for you, right? To, to see what are some things. And we've got some kits that we can even bring with us that have some, you know, weatherizing strips and some caulk oh, cool. and some LED light bulbs, right? So right. that we can... 
begin to lower your footprint before the panels even go up. So that means that they you get more bang for your buck when they do go on. Absolutely. And tell us a little bit about the 2 kilowatt for 2K solar panel program. Oh, the 2K for 5K. 2 kilowatts of solar panel for $5,000. Wow. Uh, that's a special program that we're able to offer uh, because we've worked with installers, solar installers, to uh, to, to offer that to, to congregations. Because we know that faith communities often don't have you know, $50,000 sitting around that they can just uh, get a solar panel up. Um, But, but they can sometimes go to some of their larger donors and say, Hey, we could get an entry level solar panel system for $5,000. And 2K is not going to be enough to to run the church. Um, But the nice thing is once you've got the electricity and all wired in, it's so easy to add more solar panels. And so it's really, we're trying to to remove the barrier, the the cost barrier of participation in, in getting going on solar panels. Yeah, just to share one little anecdote, I was just reading the other day in my Quaker Earth Care Witness newsletter about a, a friend's meeting house in, I think it was North Carolina, that did a fairly large solar installation. So I don't remember the kilowatts, but it was a, like a $30,000 kind of investment. Mm-hmm. Um, but they found savings within the first year of like $3,000 on the utility bill. So, I mean, these things will pay for themselves if... Uh, somebody is willing to make the investment up front, right? That's right. They they really they really do. Um, and the price of solar, especially here in Kentucky, has dropped so much, as I'm sure you're aware, in the last ten years. Oh, yeah. Even I mean, it has just plummeted. And so it's it's a it's a it's a great way to 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 live your values <laughs> and lower your footprint, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'm speaking today with uh, Reverend Don Cooley from uh, Kentucky Interfaith Power and Light. You can learn more about them at KentuckyIPL.org. And you mentioned a film series. So let's learn more about that and how people can uh, check it out. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. Um, it's actually two different film series, series Series I. Series I. <laughs> <laughs> month now that I'm like, what is is the plural for series? Um, So the the first one is about um, the the winter time, right? Ooh, I love and the time. and it's about introducing people who are not necessarily aware of the human impact on our environment into that fact. Yeah. And so we're watching three different films that we've gotten the rights to to share, and there'll Ooh. be a discussion right afterwards. So we'll watch the movie and then we'll we'll discuss it. And, and this is all virtually. And this is all virtually, so it's COVID friendly. Yeah. Um. The the first movie is going to be. Um, uh, chasing Ice. Oh, uh, that's a good one. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. actually disturbingly beautiful. Exactly. Well, and the follow-up one to that is Chasing Coral, which is Ooh, also disturbingly beautiful. Wow, coral reefs are amazing. Yeah. They, they really are, and they're really suffering. Yeah. Um, and then the final film in that series is The Human Element. Um, yes, which, very which, interesting film. <laughs> which is a really interesting film. And so the idea of this is really to, to introduce folks who don't necessarily understand the the human impact, right? In Chasing Ice, they talk about they're able to get ice cores and and really see how the temperature of the Earth has changed yeah. over 10,000 years, right? Yeah. And similarly with coral, there is a way of telling uh, how coral has adjusted uh, to, to the temperature change of water, yeah. right? Over, over hundreds of years. 
Um, and so, so really looking gently at the science, um, but it's not really difficult to understand. So right. we're not talking about, you know, parts per million of, you know, carbon monoxide, and we're not talking about greenhouse gases. We're, we're just talking about this is what the effect is. We're yeah. not, we're not going to say what the cause is, <laughs> but we're going to talk <laughs> about what the effect is, right? Cool. Um, and so we're hoping that that's a way for people who are already involved um, in creation care and who are already aware of these issues to help introduce maybe some other members of their congregation, right? So that the green team at your congregation can say, hey, everybody, <laughs> come watch these come watch these movies. And so that's the first one. So it's it's uh, facing winter is the theme of it because it really is hard. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It really it's really hard work um, and hard to to reconcile. Yeah. Um, do we have dates for that? Series? We do. So that starts on uh, February. Uh, it's the second to last Sunday in February. 21st. The 21st. The 21st. February 21st. Okay. Yes. So the 21st, the 28th, and then um, that first Sunday in March. Okay. And cool. they'll, uh, we'll be, there'll be information on our Facebook page about it very soon if it's not there already. And so that's that first series. And people can just register for the... Yep. Yep, they can series just register online. for the series online. And it's free? Uh, it's free. Cool. Yep. We got a grant to cover all the screening costs for this. Cool. So we're we're really excited to be able to to share this with folks. And will it be Sunday evenings, afternoons? Yep, Sunday like evenings that? from six o'clock is when the films will start. Cool. These films are about ninety minutes long. Yeah, okay. So <laughs> that's a long time to sit still. So yeah, uh, so so we'll watch the film and then we'll have a little bit of a break and then we'll jump into discussion. Cool. So so and this is gonna be, be an interfaith discussion. This right? is gonna be an interfaith discussion wow absolutely that is exciting absolutely I, so. well i hope you get a big turnout but then that makes me that how do you even manage all those people in a conversation it's going to be interesting oh it's good we've had i've had a, a good amount of practice this past year right <laughs> haven't we all suddenly gotten <laughs> better at doing things we never thought we'd be doing really found so. that mute button <laughs> yeah, exactly I, i'm a big fan of those breakout rooms <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah breakout rooms are great yeah so. well great okay so that's the first so that's series. the first one and then the second one is called Engaging Spring. We got this. And it's taking oh, cool. three short films. And it's about communities that have overcome the extraction industry in their states or in their towns. Wow. And the idea is that that will inspire us here in Kentucky mm. that, that we can do this. We can uh, overcome the extraction industry here. That's great. I'm Does excited. that start immediately after, or are you having a little break? No, we're having a little break. So that ends the Sunday of Derby. Oh, so the first Sunday okay. in May is the last one. So cool. the, so it'll start the two Sundays before that, April like 18th, 25th, okay. and May 2nd, I think. Check it so. out at KentuckyIPL.org and register now. You can register now for both. Is that You can register now for the, uh, for the facing winter, winter one, one. Okay. Um, and, then... and registration for the spring one will be up soon. Very cool. Are they even doing Derby this year? I know. <laughs> It's funny, funny to think about it. But. I know. But it took me all this time. I've lived in Louisville for 12 years. And it took me all this 
time to be able to think that the first Saturday in May is yep, Derby yep. weekend. So therefore, it's always yeah, whether or not. It's, yep, yep. You've gotten on your horse there. It's, you, it's, <laughs> it's in my head. <laughs> well, that is exciting. I love film as a way to engage people, especially those kinds of documentaries that yes. you're talking about. Uh, and, and we don't have enough uh, venues for discussing them. Uh, so I really, I really am excited about that upcoming film series. Again, it all starts February 21st, and people can learn more and register at KentuckyIPL.org. Uh, what else is coming up in 2021 that you're excited about? Um, I, I know you're trying to outreach to all corners of the state, right? We are. Um, we have uh, been pretty focused in Louisville and Lexington. Um, yeah. But one of the things that um, we're hoping to do this year is really, particularly with this film series, this is one of the this is one of the blessings of the pandemic. There's been a lot of really bad stuff with the pandemic. Right. But one of the blessings is the capability to do things across a geographic area that we wouldn't necessarily have done before. Yeah. And so with we no are... no transportation carbon emissions either. Right, right? exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it's environmentally <laughs> friendly. Exactly, right? Yeah. Um, and so so we're hoping, particularly through this film series, to be able to engage people around the, around the state and grow into... Because it's not... This is not just an urban issue, no. right? Like, this is an issue that impacts uh, everyone. Yeah. And, and so how do we, and there are people of faith in Kentucky all over this, the Commonwealth. Sure so, enough. so let's find ways to engage them around this issue. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, that's 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 an exciting outreach for Kipple, uh, and and those corners of the state probably need this way of thinking even more than Louisville and Lexington, who may already be tuned in a little bit to it. So, man, so even like if I'm a, a little church out in Eastern Kentucky, I could get uh, two kilowatts for five k. Huh? That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's absolutely right. In fact, we'd love to 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 work with you on that. So awesome. these tiny, you know, these little churches in the hollers, yeah. right? Like they 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 get a little bit of light every every day That's right, right? That's they, right. they may be they may be able to to get panels as well cool and what about uh sort of worshiping together in a sense does kipple convene people for interfaith worship um, we had, I think it was our first um, Interfaith Earth Day series this oh, past, nice. or not series, but worship service this past year. Nice. Um, and uh, we were hoping to ha have multiple different locations yeah. um, and do it, but of course the, the pandemic shifted things. Um, <laughs> but I think we might do something like that again this year. We've got a couple possibilities in the works and, and partners uh, in the works. So, um, And another thing that we're really thinking about is... Uh, Eco grief, um, and eco grief groups. We um, eco grief, yeah. Wow. It, it's a thing, right? I mean, yeah. it's it's one of the. There are so many areas of our lives where we're experiencing trauma and and repeated loss yeah. right now, and and the environment is one of those that we have almost no control over. Even if we're doing the very, very best we can, it's it's not enough to save our climate. And so how, how do we deal with these feelings of despair and of powerlessness? And so um, eco-grief groups are starting to pop up around the country, and uh, it's a great program, and we're looking forward to being able to offer that here in Kentucky. That's great. You know, I, I always love to tell the story that uh, at UofL, we had a climate anxiety workshop planned for late March 
of 2020. And of course, it got overridden by the pandemic anxiety. <laughs> right? <laughs> so we have multiple layers of, of grief and loss and, and, and anxiety right now. That's right. And I, oh boy, yeah, I think working on, on self-care, mental health care, uh, understanding how you know our faith traditions can help heal mm-hmm. us and the world, uh, that that I think is a very valuable piece of the the question for us as is tying this work into faith traditions. So, very good. Um, what else is coming up? Uh, you, you've got communities throughout the Commonwealth around creation care and environmental justice issues. Is there I, a hope for some sort of a signature program connecting them? I we're looking at something like that. Yeah. Um, one of the things that um, that I think would be really uh, interesting and that we're we're starting to hear some buzz around is uh, connecting. Well, we know this, right? Charles Booker's uh, Hood to the Holler. Yeah. Right? Connecting urban communities with uh, right. rural communities, right? And and so one of the things that Kentucky Interfaith Power and Light is hoping to do is to do that with faith communities, uh-huh. faith communities in urban areas and faith communities in rural areas and talk about the, the environmental impacts they experience. Yeah. And so, you know, a West Louisville community might talk about um, coal ash or they might talk about the 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 chemical programs and the chemical factories, right? And a community from Appalachia might talk about um, the water and how the the water has become tainted in their county. And and what an amazing thing for communities to be able to bond around, oh, yeah. right? So so that's a program that we're hoping to get some funding for and and get some traction behind. Oh wow, that's we're great. thinking that it would be really exciting too because if you bring together faith. You, then you have to bring together music. And if you bring together music, you have to bring together art, right? And so this could actually be this amazing sharing of stories and uh, and arts and culture and and really bringing communities together. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned Hood to the Holler. And that gets me thinking about the other, the last piece we, you know, our last few minutes together I want to touch on, which is a lot of climate activists uh, or, or sustainability activists are thinking a lot, especially throughout what we saw in 2020, about connecting the need for care for the environment with uh, social justice and, and under, a better understanding of the importance of diversity and equity and the work that white people need to do in this movement. Mm -hmm. So what are your thoughts about how Kipple is going to proceed in that realm? Do we have a whole nother hour? I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So one of the things Kipple has done is we are uh, members of the U.S. Climate Action Network. And as a part of that, we have affirmed the Jemez principles, um, which which talk about these issues of equity and um, of leading with impacted communities. Right. And um, and so that's something that we're we're very aware of that, um, again, caring for your environment and caring for your neighbor really um, really, it, you can't separate them, yeah. right? I think this is one of the harms that the mostly white environmental movement has perpetrated. Going back to your comment about uh, polar bears being yeah. the face of environmentalism, <laughs> exactly. right? If we really wanted to, to face what is the face of climate change, it's probably a, um, a child of color, Yep. Uh, who doesn't speak English, who has just lost their home yeah. to a hurricane or some sort of drought or devastation. And now their family has no money and they have no idea where to go. 
right? That's the that's the human face of of climate change, um, and and um, and by putting a polar bear on it. <laughs> it's really problematic, right? Yep. Yep. It's not that it's not that we do need to save the polar bears. Yes, yes, but please don't write me and tell me that polar bears are important. <laughs> um, but but human beings are too, and um, and so so part of what we're trying to do with Kentucky Interfaith Power and Light is to hold this awareness that um, that the people who are most impacted by climate change um, are 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 often people of color. Often those are the same people who are the easiest to ignore because yep. they don't have the power, uh, the power uh, in, in the decision-making rooms yeah. yet. And that's something that we're, that we're working to change. So, so this is the kind of, we're trying to really look at and piece apart how connected environmental justice is to climate justice and how that is actually connected to health justice, right? This oh, is totally. why climate change is called a wicked problem, right? <laughs> because there are so many layers. You can't pull one thread without pulling so many more along with it. Yeah. Yeah. That is a great note to end on. I, I'm sad that we're out of time because I feel like we're just looking at the tip of this iceberg, if you will. Right. Uh, but there is a lot more uh, to dive into. And I'm glad that you've got the film series and other public programs coming up with uh, Kentucky Interfaith Power and Light. I've been speaking with Reverend Dawn Cooley, who's executive director. You can learn more about them and get in touch with Dawn, I'm sure, at KentuckyIPL.org. Any last things you want to say before we conclude today? Oh, you put me on the spot. Uh, mostly gratitude for folks who are listening, uh, for folks who've been doing this work for a long time and who are continuing to un to grow in their understanding of what it means to to care for our planet and care for each other. Perfect. Let's end. Let's conclude with that sense of gratitude and stay tuned, my friends. Coming up in just a minute, it's your community action calendar. Whole bunch of ways that you can get active in sustainability coming up this week. So stay tuned. Sweet song of my soul.
here on Sustainability Now on Forward Radio with me, Justin Mogg. Time for your community action calendar. But before we get to it, I want to extend our thanks to Apple Latin. You're hearing them behind me now. Thanks to them for giving us permission to use their local music on our programs. You can find on SoundCloud archived, and you can also see them cataloged at forwardradio.org, which is the place to go to become a part of this community radio station and help us out with your time, talent, or treasure. We need it all to stay on the air and stay strong in 2021, so find us at forwardradio.org. Now, let's get our pencils sharpened and our calendars out. The lot to do this week for sustainability on Tuesday the 2nd, the Louisville Grows Community Garden Grant Workshop will be 6 to 7.30 p.m., and you can find out more about it at louisvillegrows.org. You can register for the workshop at tinyurl.com slash lggardengrant2021. We invite you to attend this workshop, learn how to apply for the grant. A representative from the community garden must attend this workshop in order to submit a grant application this year. The virtual workshop will focus on the community garden toolkit, grant application requirements, and other benefits. The Louisville Grows Community Garden Grant provides funding for and in-kind materials for new or expanding gardens managed by community organizations, garden clubs, after-school programs, neighborhood associations, faith-based organizations, and motivated community members. Groups may apply for funding of garden construction, soil prep, seeds and starts, tools, rain barrels, or other irrigation methods, fencing or compost, and other gardening needs. If a grant is awarded, groups are required to provide a 10% matching funds. All gardens awarded the grant will be designated as an official Louisville Grows Garden, which provides the benefits of signage, year-round technical and educational support, groups of volunteers upon request, social media promotion, and networking opportunities to ensure the community garden's long-term sustainability and success. Again, register for this workshop at tinyurl.com slash lggardengrant2021. Or if you got any questions about it, you can contact Lisa at programs at louisvillegrows.org. Give her a call at 502-905-4342. And more information about the Louisville Grows Community Garden Grant Program is at louisvillegrows.org. And that's Tuesday at 6 p.m. Also Tuesday, just after that, at 7 p.m. on February 2nd, it's Kentuckians. Where do we go from here? A virtual front porch sit. Oh, man, a real front porch sit sounds nice right about now. It's talking about race with our neighbors. You can join fellow Kentuckians for this virtual conversation. We are sharing what we're learning about having conversations about racism with our neighbors and families. We'll be joining with our friends at Kentucky for Strong Families. Together, we are going to open up the floor for some real talk and hard truths. We are poor and working Kentuckians who know that racism has no place in any town in our state. We want to hear from you and let folks share their thoughts about how to talk to our neighbors about race. This past election year was not like years in the past and nobody has all the answers. No single person at Southern Crossroads knows everything. There's not one individual on deck to tell us about what this election means for futures of our towns. And together we know a lot. We are Southerners. We we know our towns. We've been taking action. If we all huddled up together, we will be impressed with how much we know as a group. So that's what we are doing, huddling together on one virtual front porch to share what we're seeing, to share what we know, and to share our thoughts about building thriving communities across the South. At times like these, there's nowhere else we'd rather be than with our Southern neighbors. We've dug deep this year. Let's figure out what all this means for our towns on a call together. 
and we fight for democracy in the hollers and out in the sticks. Our work, come whatever may, is to win the things we all need to live the good life, whether white, black, or brown. That means we need to map out together where we want to go from here. So register for the online Zoom call and come sit a bit with your neighbors. It's sponsored by Southern Crossroads and Kentucky for Strong Families. You can find the link to register at facebook.com slash families. Again, it's Tuesday, February 2nd at 7 p.m. And you can find the link to register facebook.com slash families. Kentuckians for the Commonwealth has issued a call to get involved in their work in the 2021 Kentucky General Assembly, which is on a fast track. It's a short session, so now's the time to get involved. We're navigating a less accessible 2021 season due to the pandemic, and they need your help to make our voices heard. You can search the full list of virtual and in-person events and find the full details at facebook.com slash Kentuckians for the Commonwealth, all spelled out Kentuckians for the Commonwealth. Uh, and the, it all continues this Thursday, February 4th from 4 to 6 p.m. with a phone bank uh, focused on economic justice. And uh, then there's a big event on Monday, February 15th from noon to 2 at the State Capitol building in Frankfort with Love, Kentucky, a day of action at the Capitol. And it continues on February 18th with a virtual lobby day for a healthy democracy and wraps up on the 24th with a phone bank on voting rights. Again, you can learn more and see the full schedule and sign up at facebook.com slash Kentuckians for the Commonwealth. Now, Friday at 9.30 a.m. on February 5th, it's Getting Your Garden Started, a free weekly online gardening class taking place every Monday or Friday throughout February. You can register online for the Monday courses, which are Mondays 2 to 4 p.m. all throughout February at tinyurl.com slash mondaygarden. Or if you'd rather join Friday morning, Fridays 9.30 to 11.30 a.m. starting this Friday the 5th and running throughout the month at tinyurl.com slash fridaygarden. These classes are taught by University of Kentucky Cooperative Extension and uh, KSU as well as the Jefferson County Soil and Water Conservation District by my good friends who you've heard on this program, Bethany Pratt and Lilius Pettit-Scott. You won't want to miss this great Getting Your Garden Started free weekly online gardening class. Again, Mondays 2 to 4 throughout February, tinyurl.com slash mondaygarden or Fridays 9.30 to 11.30 a.m. throughout the month at tinyurl.com slash fridaygarden. Also on Friday the 5th at 11 a.m., the University of Louisville is holding its next Sustainability Roundtable, this time focused on sustainable tap water. Everyone is enjoyed in, invited to join us for UofL's Sustainability Roundtable. It's alternate Fridays throughout the spring semester at 11 a.m. On February 5th, we'll be in dialogue with Dr. Eric Zhu, Water Research and Development Manager at the publicly owned Louisville Water Company. Dr. Zhu will be sharing some of the strategies used by the water company to maintain a safe, sustainable supply of tap water to hundreds of millions of customers like you throughout Greater Louisville. Eric and his team ensure that the company stays on the forefront of water quality and treatment science. Examples of his recent and current research include optimizing corrosion control treatment to ensure continued compliance with the EPA's lead and copper rule, and so we don't turn into the next Flint, right? Investigating a new chemical treatment strategy for enhancing water quality at both of our treatment plants, and for maintaining 
disinfectant residuals in the distribution system, evaluating emerging contaminants, and establishing a roadmap of addressing potential concerns in meeting future regulations and customer expectations. Dr. Zhu also collaborates with industry partners, including the EPA, the American Water Works Association, and the Water Research Foundation to deal with critical water quality challenges. He plays a reading role in national research on risk-benefit assessment to help Louisville Water and the water industry find opportunities to reduce overall health risks in drinking water treatment. So this is Friday at 11 a.m. You don't need to pre-register. You can just find the link to join at louisville.edu slash sustainability under events. It's our sustainability roundtable on sustainable tap water on Friday at 11. This weekend on Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m., the Meet Your Legislature Legislators Cafe Louis series continues, sponsored by the Louisville Free Public Library. It's virtual this year. You can find it at facebook.com slash Cafe Louis. That's C-A-F-E. L-O-U-I-E. The Louisville Free Public Library's Cafe Louis is back this year to connect citizens to their elected representatives. From 9 to 10 each Saturday morning through March 20th, participants can join a virtual meeting. Elected officials will be given a brief time for prepared remarks and to answer a few pre-selected questions submitted by attendees. The focus of these meetings is engagement through personal conversations. Every Cafe Louis is open virtually this year to the public. More information and the live stream again are available at facebook.com slash cafe louis this saturday february 6th it's a special friends of the louisville free public library annual meeting but then coming up next week on february 13th the legislators will be from the southwest corner of our county on the 20th it's st matthews and crescent hill on the 27th it's south central louisville then on March 6th, you can hear from Jefferson Town and Fern Creek representatives. On the 13th of March, it'll be Bonaire, Newburgh, and Highland Shelby Park. And it wraps up on the 20th of March with the Northeast and Middletown. Again, more information at facebook.com slash Cafe Louie. And lastly, this weekend is another opportunity to join the Urban Agriculture Coalition. They're a proud Ford Radio community partner, and they are doing these public orchard pruning winter workshops throughout February. Get on your cold weather gear and let's prune fruit trees together. We're helping neighbors to prune the community orchards throughout the community again this year. Come out and learn how to prune fruit trees to help maintain the trees in our community orchards. All tools will be provided. You can learn more and sign up at tinyurl.com slash orchards2020 and this Sunday the 7th from 2 to 4 p.m. we'll be out at Lots of Food there at 17th and Portland Avenue and we'll be returning to the People's Garden over at 44th and Bank later in the month on February 27th. So again, learn more, sign up to help out at tinyurl.com slash orchards2020 and that is all the time we have for today here on Sustainability Now. I want to thank you all so much for tuning in. Hope you have a great week. Stay safe. The pandemic is not over. Stay masked up and six feet apart. We will get through this together, my friends. Be well, and I'll be back in your ears again in one week's time, my friends. Se la pasa toda la noche.